0: From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
2: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices.
1: What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, M.G. Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. Joined, as always, by Michael F. Florio and producer Steve and uh, Florio, we are... We have things to talk about like we are uh, a little more than a week away from free agency, but but things are happening. So like even as I was as we were getting ready to do this, I was like shifting things around in the rundown. So this is this is an exciting time for us right now.
3: Yeah. Free agency is in regardless of sport. To me, it's one of my favorite times of year. Obviously, football comes first, but like just all the possibilities and what can happen. And it's just so much fun to me.
1: Absolutely. So we will get into that. Uh, There were some moves that happened uh, yesterday. There were some things that happened today before we started recording. I'm sure there will be some things that probably happen either during or after uh, the record of this podcast. So we will get into those. Um, So actually, let's 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 just get it started. Actually, first thing I should do is is a couple of housekeeping notes. Right. Um, One uh, next week because free agency hits on Wednesday officially. I know the the. Negotiating window starts on Monday. So, Monday and Tuesday. And then on Wednesday is the actual free agent period. So, because of that, we're going to push back our podcast to Thursday, when hopefully by then we'll have a lot of things that have happened. We'll have a lot of people who have signed. And so, we'll have some other things uh, to talk about there. So, uh, be sure to to hold on a couple of days. If you don't see this pop up in your feed on Tuesday, just know that we didn't forget about you. We just waited uh, a couple of days so we'd have some more actual news to talk about. Of course, as always, you can uh, find some of our clips and what have you on youtube i'm sure that as free agency hits we'll be doing a lot more vod stuff for youtube so if you haven't subscribed to our channel uh go on and do that at nfl.com or uh, nfl.com at youtube.com slash nfl fantasy football uh that's the one there so be sure to subscribe there Another thing of note to kind of keep on your calendar, and it's not directly related to our podcast, but is is something kind of interesting and fun. The Big Data Bowl is coming up on March 18th, which is a week from this coming Thursday. It's the the day after uh, free agency starts. And if you don't know what it is, every year the NFL sponsors – Uh, teams of data scientists uh, to basically solve a problem for them. I guess the the easiest way to to say it is uh, they're trying to get people together to come up with new next-gen stats. They present a problem, uh, and they sort of let these data scientists get to work and try to figure out how best to solve that problem. Now, for example, last year, the winners of the big data bowl basically brought us what we now know as rush yards over expectation if you dig into next gen stats and you've seen that uh, or if you've heard people talk about that that is what came out of the big data bowl last year Uh, this year the problem to be solved is what makes a successful pass defense on any given play. So once the quarterback drops back and starts scanning the field, how do you define from a cornerback or a safety uh, position and perspective what makes a successful defensive play? So that is the problem at hand. So teams of data scientists are going to get together next week and try to come up with their best metric on how to determine that. Cynthia Freeland, our pal, is going to host. Uh, So after the data bowl, uh, we're going to have her on. She's going to kind of talk about what went down. And we're going to try to figure out how to uh, make this sort of thing fantasy relevant. But in the meantime, if you are interested, you can watch that. It is streaming. Uh, It'll be 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern. You can find that streaming on YouTube and Twitch. (sighs) All right. That was a mouthful. (laughs) Um, So, all right, Florida, let's let's get into, into free agency. First off, the big news that hit on Monday evening Dak Prescott has signed an extension a huge extension with the Dallas Cowboys uh, if you want to get the particulars you can go to nfl.com and kind of dig into that but for our purposes four years 160 million 126 million dollars guaranteed so he is locked up he is staying in Dallas um, first are you surprised at all and, and second what does this mean for the Cowboys offense
3: I'm not surprised. I fully expected Dak to be back. I wasn't sure if it would be on the franchise tag or this, you know, pretty massive extension. I'm happy for Dak that he got the extension that I think he very much so deserves. And I'm happy, Marcus, you know, that I love CD lamb and and I'm really uh, a big believer in his breakout this season. And I think that Dak Prescott and him, like, like he needed Dak to break out. So I am super happy that he is back. And just looking at what Dak did last year, like coming into the season, he was my MVP pick actually. And he was living up to the kind of, well, at least he was putting up MVP type numbers. I know the Cowboys record wasn't great, but he was putting up 371 passing yards per game, which led the NFL. He had nearly 2000 passing yards in five games, led the NFL. He was in top five in fantasy points per games and uh, rushing touchdowns. And, uh, and he led the NFL in pass attempts per game. And Cooper, And CeeDee Lamb were both really good fantasy assets, both averaging nearly 18 fantasy points per game with Dak. I I think this helps Dak. I think it helps the pieces all around him. And I thought last year the Cowboys offense was going to put up video game numbers. I think now this year is going to
1: be the year that we get those video game type seasons out of Dak and his weapons. We were obviously excited, as you mentioned, about CD Lamb. Amari Cooper is going to eat. I think it even helps, you know, Michael Gallup, who is going to be kind of a later round pick, but I think that certainly helps his value. Uh, you know, I know last year Adam Rank was big on the Blake Jarwin train. In fact, he got me to come along. Uh, unfortunately, Jarwin got hurt early in the season, so we didn't see much of him. But if he's back and healthy, that's one more guy to have uh, in that passing game for the Cowboys. And, and look, Unless they make major upgrades on the defense, they're still going to give up a lot of points. And Dak's still going to have to throw the football to try to keep them in ball games. So there is plenty of upside there. Um, so Dak, QB what, four, five? Where where do you have him right now?
3: I have him as the QB four right now, and I had him as that even before he signed this extension. I just the fact that he can give you rushing touchdowns and yards with his legs plus the bad defense, like you said, Marcus, and the fact that he had to throw the ball 45 times a game last year and nearly 400 yards per game just has me excited. And and Marcus, Dak, I think, takes way too much hate for no reason. Like yesterday I was tweeting out these stats and people are mes- mentioning, well, they had a bad defense. And I'm like, OK. And then they're like, oh, well, those stats lie because he threw for over 400 yards in three of his five games and wasn't good in the other two. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> In more than half the games that he played, he threw for over 400 yards and we're going to hold that against him? Like, come on. Uh, people just – for, I guess it's the cowboy effect. Mm-hmm. I don't know but people just love to hate on Dak Prescott and he is just a baller, man. He goes out there and he puts up fantasy points.
1: It is absolutely the cowboy effect. Cause I mean, let's, let's flash back to when it was Tony Romo, right? And Romo had a, a guy who had a, a very good career, who did a lot of great things and Cowboys fans pretty much hated on Romo uh, until, you know, it was time for him to go. And he had that tearful press conference when he was no longer the starter and suddenly everybody loved Tony Romo. And now Dak steps in and Dak is doing big things. And now people want to hate on Dak. It's like, I don't know. I I don't know if it's, you know, if it's everybody, if Cowboy fans are are looking for the next Staubach or Aikman or what have you. Um, For whatever reason, Cowboy quarterbacks, man, they just get hated on. I don't get it. Um, One last part of this. We did a mock draft last week and one of the things that surprised me was Ezekiel Elliott going near the end of the first round because this offense is so centered around Dak and throwing the football. I would think that's, going to be where he is now i mean I, I think people are sort of worried that you know we, we saw a little bit of productive fall off last year he's getting a year older and this is an offense that is expected to be pass heavy is is into the first round just going to be the asking price now for zeke in 2021
3: i think so I, I could see him going anywhere like yesterday i jumped in a basketball draft because i was curious about some of this stuff and he went eighth overall and i was like all right yeah i could see him going as high as maybe eight and maybe as low as like the third or fourth pick in the second round. Like I think that late first, early second, but I think closer we get to August because I I tweeted it out yesterday. Once he signed, I said a stat that you're going to hear all summer long, Ezekiel Elliott averaged 22.34 fantasy points per game with Dak, uh, Dak Prescott healthy last year. But the caveat is even with Dak, his rushing numbers were down. Uh, His yards before contact was a career low um he he was mostly doing a lot of work in the passing game as well but Tony Pollard came on really strong last year Zeke is going to be one of the hardest players for me to figure out this year Marcus because on one hand he was good with Dak and then also he did have COVID before last season and he was one of the athletes that came out and said it's had a lasting effect on me like I wasn't fully back to normal once they said I was cleared but on the other side he has so much wear and tear on that on those tires he's such a big workload every year his metrics really have been declining for years now not just last year so for me
1: he is just such a tough one for me to figure out if if like I like him at that price or not that COVID part is gonna be interesting too because I I had kind of forgotten about that but I think that's something worth noting is those guys who had it and the ones who admit to kind of taking a while to bounce back do they bounce back in 2021 do they look like the players we're used to seeing Uh, I guess we're all going to sort of find that part out together uh, the other news that, that came out this morning, teams are using their franchise tags on players. The Bucks use theirs on Chris Godwin. So that takes a free agent, potential free agent wide receiver off the market. Um, last year was not the season that I would have expected out of Chris Godwin. I mean, Mike Evans had the big year. We saw Gronk get involved then Antonio Brown came in and started sort of eating. Um, does your outlook on Godwin, how dependent on it? Uh, how dependent is it on what happens, say, with a guy like A.B. Uh, going into 2021?
3: I think that greatly impacts him because what, right now my feeling is like I can't see Antonio Brown or Gronk signing anywhere else but in Tampa Bay. Like they just seem to be Tom Brady's guys and and. They uh, they're like they gave AB a chance and they were really the only team that sounded. I know the Seahawks were linked to him as well, but I I, and I definitely cannot see Gronk going anywhere else but Tampa with Tom Brady. So if we're talking about all four because Mike Evans being the other one, all four of these guys being healthy and competing for targets each week. To me, it means that Chris Godwin is just a wide receiver, too. And I think if he signed elsewhere where he could have been the lead target, he very much so could be a wide. I mean, we saw two years ago. He finished as not a wide receiver two, the wide receiver two in fantasy <laughs> football. And he was averaging nearly 100 yards per game. And I know he missed a lot of time last year, but even on a per-game basis, he took huge hits across the board. Like, he was putting up just over 70 yards per game last year. So, to me, this is a good real-life fit. It helps the Bucks in real life. But for fantasy, it is not ideal if A, B, and Gronk are back.
1: I still love him, and I probably will be guilty of overdrafting him <laughs> at some point. I think I probably did it in our mock draft, and like I wouldn't be surprised if I did it again uh, when we get later into the summer. By the way, speaking of uh, Antonio Brown, sort of side note, you see Josh Gordon caught a game-winning touchdown in the FCF League o- over the weekend? And made it look easy. Like, he didn't even jump. Uh, so look he's still got game at least you know in in lower levels i think we can we can finally you know back away from the table in terms of nfl fantasy football but i guess if you are of the type to play fcf fantasy uh josh gordon still hanging around one overall
3: pick i guess
1: Uh, maybe (laughs) that's just weird i still can't imagine playing football fantasy football in a league where you can sort of have some control over what happens. (laughs) Throw it to Josh
3: Gordon. That's all I would do every single day. Basically,
1: pretty much, yeah. I was just like, you know, (laughs) run plays for my guys. That would be pretty much it. Um, All right. So that catches us up on at least what we know as of this moment. And, again, there's a very good chance things will change as we're recording this. Uh, Certainly probably right after we record this, something's going to happen. Uh, I saw uh, Robert Mays, an excellent writer, who uh, formerly of the uh, Ringer and the Athletic, who uh, said he did a podcast about Dak... Uh, 20 minutes before the DAC announcement (laughs) was made. So uh, I fear that we're going to do that too, but we're going to forge ahead. So uh, let's look at some guys, a handful of guys who are poised to hit free agency and whether they should stay or whether they should go for our own selfish purposes, uh, where, you know, what would be best for their fantasy futures. The first one is Kenny Galladay and he moves up the list because the Lions announced uh, this morning that they will not use the franchise tag on Kenny Galladay that he is going to hit free agency Um, certainly there's a chance they can make him an offer and try to bring him back uh, but for for you should he stay in Detroit should he test the waters elsewhere and if he should go what's a good spot for him
3: I definitely think he should go because I was diving into Kenny Galladay a little bit yesterday and one thing that I, I myself didn't realize is he does not create a whole lot of separation. Like he is not a like, cause I think of him as a downfield threat and usually with downfield threats, they're speedy and they just, you know, it's hard to keep up with them and they can create that separation. But he like the last, each of the last two seasons, he's been the bottom of the lines towards separation and, and less than two yards uh, on average. So I just don't see Jared Goff as the type of quarterback that can really get the most out of Kenny Galladay. I don't think he's a tight window thrower. I don't think uh, he's going to be throwing the ball downfield a whole bunch. I mean, he didn't do that with the Rams at all. With with the Rams, he was going to those guys who would run these shorter, quicker routes and would get some separation and get open. Uh, but a fit I do like for Kenny Galladay is actually with the Indianapolis Colts. I, I Carson Wentz last season was throwing in a tight windows on 20% of his throws. That was towards the top of the league. Uh, and that is what Kenny Galladay is. He's is a contested catch kind of receiver. And I think Carson Wentz will be the quarterback that will just kind of heave the ball up and allow Kenny Galladay to do what he does. Uh, so I think that, but I, I've seen Miami thrown around two as a potential fit. They already have their version of Kenny Galladay and Devontae Parker. <laughs> so I want him to go elsewhere. I, I don't think he's
1: a good fit in Miami either. I I was thinking Indianapolis for all the reasons you stated is that Galladay is that guy. um, He's a contested catch guy, right? He's not necessarily going to get a lot of separation. He's not going to put a lot of space between himself and the defender, but it's part of the reason he worked with Matthew Stafford is because Stafford is not afraid to throw the ball up and let his guy go get it. I mean, Maybe part of that is what happens when you start your career with a guy like Calvin Johnson. You just have that confidence to go and throw it up and and know that your guys going to make plays. But he continued that with Galladay. And and as you mentioned, Jared Goff just isn't that guy. Um, At least he hasn't been that guy the last couple of years. And it would worry me if I was Galladay about seeing uh, a guy like Goff come in. The other part of it is, and, and I saw this this morning, too, the Lions have said, they don't consider themselves out of the market for a quarterback when it comes to the draft. So, um, look, I I would be shocked if Jared Goff is not the starting quarterback for the Detroit Lions in Week One. Um, but that being said, that I, there's a good chance that you know the Lions may not feel like they want to commit to him long term. But he can go to Indy. They need wide receiver help. They've got a guy in Wentz who shows that he is willing to play hero ball and and try to make the big play. It could be a really, really interesting fit. I would also say, um, depending on what happens with another guy who I have on the same list, uh, you know, maybe there's another team out there that, that uh, I'm I'm teasing it poorly. Let's just move on. Uh, <laughs> so anyway,
3: does, does he lose the baby Tron nickname if he is not with the Lions?
1: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think I, I think, think we just have, have to leave that. I think you have to leave that in Detroit. Um, you know, and I know it never stuck the way a lot of people wanted it to. Uh, I was definitely a fan of it, but I know there was some debate uh, whether he it should be. It only stuck trauma. with
3: fantasy people, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I know that, you know, like our pal J.J. Zacharison, I think, was the one who I first heard use it. Uh, I really tried to make it stick, but I know, you know, the fantasy footballers, uh, you know, Mike, Mike Wright and those guys out in Arizona were very much of the idea that he should be called Kenny G, um, you know, because he made sweet music. I don't know. Uh, and according to Steve, who was our resident Lions fan here, he says they call him Kenny G. So if that's what they're calling him in Detroit, then maybe that's what it is. Um, Not as creative maybe Tron, but I get it. Yeah, and Kenny G can travel. You know, like the baby Tron has to stay in Detroit. <laughs> Kenny G can go anywhere. The um, next one I had on this list is Aaron Jones, who, you know, we came into last year saying that you know regression is going to happen. There's no way Aaron Jones can repeat what he did a couple seasons ago. And at the start of the season, he was making us look silly because he was scoring touchdowns left and right, and he was laughing in the face of regression. Eventually, he did slow down, but nonetheless, still had a great year for the Packers. He has said he wants to stay in Green Bay. I think the Packers would like to make this thing work in Green Bay. He's not really that old. Um, is Green Bay the best place for him or, or should he dip his toe elsewhere and see what's out there? I
3: I think he should dip his toe and see what else is out there. I, I love him in the, you know, one of the most efficient offenses in football, but the complaint about Jones every year is imagine if they just didn't use other running backs here and imagine if they just really, because it, it without fail, like we'll finally start to be getting excited. Like, wow, Aaron Jones is playing over 60% of the snaps. He's seeing, you know, all the touches. And then there'll be a random Jamal Williams game where they, like he plays more and has the same amount of, like, it. it's just frustrating. So that's my big thing with him in green Bay. I also think unless they franchise him, I don't, I would be surprised if they gave him a long-term extension. Um, But I think there's a lot of teams out there that could really use Jones services and, for a running back that might seem weird that he could be in high demand but I think Jones is that good and like you said Marcus he's not that old and because the Packers haven't ever fully given him like that Zeke type workload like he doesn't come with a whole lot of wear and tear either to me there's three teams that I would love to see him on the first is the Atlanta Falcons with Arthur Smith now running that offense and I expect them to do a, a to run the ball a lot and they could really build that offense kind of almost around him and Imagine Jones with with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and creating space for him and not being able to stack the line of scrimmage at all. I think that another one is Arizona, uh, just because you know he could be what we wanted Kenyon Drake to be this year, just a workhorse back who is involved in the passing game as well. And the third, I think, is Miami uh, that I would like to see just because last year, no matter who it was at the running back position, they just they used one guy and they forced him the ball and it was very predictable for fantasy so that's what i care about when it comes to aaron jones and that's why i think any of those three fits would be really good for his fantasy i love the atlanta
1: call too um especially seeing what arthur smith was able to do uh what he did in tennessee and you know obviously obviously derrick henry and aaron jones are different types of running backs but the fact is they leaned on their running back there and especially i think when you talk about matt ryan getting a little bit older um, you know, who knows what, ha- what what the future is for Julio Jones necessarily. Um, I, I sort of like that. I, Miami was the first team that came to mind for me just because of sort of how they used him. I've heard his name sort of attached to Miami uh, in, in recent weeks. Uh, they could use the running back help. Um, they're sort of building a young core with, with Tua at quarterback and trying to build that wide receiver group. But why not have a veteran presence at running back to kind of help take some of that pressure off your young quarterbacks I think that would be a really good fit for him as well but honestly I wouldn't be opposed to him staying in Green Bay just because we at least sort of know what the situation is um I would say the only thing that would make me hesitant about him sticking with the Packers uh, I know there are a lot of AJ Dillon truthers out there who want to see him get his opportunity? And obviously, as long as Aaron Jones is still there, AJ Dillon's chances are going to be capped. So, uh, if you are of the AJ Dillon persuasion, I'm sure you are certainly wishing that Aaron Jones would just move along somewhere else uh, and let your guy get on the field. But I, I don't think I'd be completely heartbroken uh, if he stayed in Green Bay because at least we understand what the usage is and, and how they're going to how they're going to give him the ball. So it's better than maybe trying to figure out what a new situation would be. Um, the other one, and this is what I was badly teasing uh, a little bit before, Jameis Winston. Um, now, as of this moment, Drew Brees still has not officially said he's going to retire, right? Unless, unless I've missed something, I have not seen or heard an official Drew Brees retire. And he's he's announced. working out too. So this is all weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is all weird. But Jameis Winston is a free agent. I know a lot of us are sort of working on the assumption that breeze has played his last game in the NFL. I, I, I still can't believe regardless of what Sean Payton wants to do, that they will turn the reins over to Taysom Hill uh, and make him a full time starting quarterback for their offense. Jameis would be interesting, right? Um, I'd like to see a full season of him post LASIK surgery. Uh, now that he's no longer blind and hopefully can discern Jersey colors from one another. Um, And so it would be, you talk about quarterbacks who will throw the ball up and let his receivers go get them. Nobody is more willing to do that than Jameis, except, you know, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick or something like that. Um, it would be interesting to see Galladay go to New Orleans. Now, I know salary cap makes that difficult. The, the, the Saints don't have a whole lot of cap room. But if I'm just thinking pie in the sky, right, and we can somehow do the, the gymnastics to make the math work, a Kenny Galladay, jameis Winston pairing in New Orleans with Michael Thomas on the other side would be kind of fun. Um, but this all is contingent on, one, Drew Brees retiring, and two, the Saints re-signing Jameis do any of those first couple things seem plausible to you?
3: I, I'm not sure if they can get Galladay, like you said, because of the cat, but that would be fun. And I, for Winston, like, I think there's one of two teams I want to see him play for this in 2021. And the Saints are one of them because I'm operating like you, Marcus. I think Drew Brees has played his final snap in the NFL. Uh, And I think it could come down to Winston or Taysom Hill. Or my biggest fear is a tandem of both. Something like uh Winston, you know, on passing plays and you get into like goal to go situations and you bring in Taysom Hill to punch it in or something like that. That would be pretty brutal for fantasy. But I think New Orleans offers Winston one of a very few opportunities to not only start in 2021, but be a really fantasy relevant quarterback. It also would be the ultimate test for Michael Thomas. Because now that they'd have a quarterback who could throw down the field more, it'd be great to see if he actually can run more than a slant route. And if fantasy has <laughs> been wrong about him all these years, uh, but the other team I, I wouldn't, I would actually really enjoy seeing him sign with is the Denver Broncos because I'm I'm out on Drew Lock. I think we've seen enough <laughs> Drew Lock in his two years that uh, he is not the answer there. So I, they've already said they want to bring in some competition for him there. Bring in Jameis Winston. Let's see how far he could throw in that. You know in the in that air that denver air and then also like look at the weapons they had there courtland sutton jerry judy hamler fan uh and melvin gordon in the backfield like I, I that's an offense that is just a quarterback away i think from being really fun and that could be the closest thing i think that we saw from uh him Jameis, in tampa when he was just heaving the ball up and not caring if he turned it over or not
1: i'll throw one more team in the mix and, and maybe they're not as deep at wide receiver but but the washington football team I think would be a nice spot for him as well. They they don't really know what their future is at quarterback. They just released uh, Alex Smith. So they're still trying to figure some things out there. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Taylor Heineke is not the answer long term <laughs> for the WFT. Um, you bring Jamison. I know you like, look, I know how much you love Terry McLaurin. And I know your one fear is, well, who's going to be throwing him the football <laughs> Um, with Jameis in there throwing the football, like you just have McLaurin running downfield, just try to have him get open and let Jameis sling in it. Um, that could be interesting. Uh, like I said, they're, they're not as deep at wide receiver as, as Denver is right now, but I think Washington w- would make a lot of sense for Jameis if he does not stay in New Orleans. Um,
3: I I would like that as a Terry McLaurin supporter because he would just throw the ball as far as he can down and Terry McLaurin can get under it.
1: (laughs) Just let let Scary Terry go get it, man. Just let the, you know, have have Jameis throw those Yolo balls. Now, I don't know how Ron Rivera feels about a quarterback who throws a lot of picks. I don't know if that's something he wants, but um, let's make it happen. I think it'd be fun to watch. Uh, So next I came up with some wide receivers who are very likely to hit free agency and, and very well could go somewhere. Um, so I will give you a name. You tell me what your dream fantasy landing spot would be for this player. Uh, the number one is Will Fuller, who has been lights out in his career when he's been on the field with Deshaun Watson. The two of them are great together. It's undeniable. Um, we're still waiting to see what happens with Deshaun Watson. We have no idea what, what that situation is going to look like uh, by the time we get to, say, September. So knowing that you know, if you're Will Fuller, you kind of have to make a decision without knowing you know, the full parameters of what's going to happen in Houston. Should he stay where he is with the Texans and hope Deshaun figures things out with the front office? or Or does he need to go somewhere else where he can prosper on his own?
3: I know this is probably a cop-out that might not happen. Probably won't happen. I wish he just holds out until Deshaun Watson knows where he's (laughs) going to play and then just signs wherever Deshaun Watson plays because those two have been so special whenever they're on the field together. Like, even when uh, Watson had D-hop and they had all their normal weapons, like, he was a cheat code when he had Will Fuller as well. They just, they have a special uh, connection there between the two. And Will Fuller is someone that I really like for fantasy, and I think that, we kind of pigeonholed him into being just a D threat before last year. And he showed us that he is so much more than that, but the the ability to be a D threat is still his bread and butter. And it is still the thing that he does best. He's one of the absolute best field stretchers in the game. So wherever he ends up, he needs a quarterback that could take advantage of his field stretching abilities. I do not want him to be like the 2020 version of Marquise Brown, where they're taking the shots down the field, but the quarterback can't hit them. And it's just like, all right, what do we do with this guy? Do we drop him? Because, and then you have people like me sitting there like, it's not all Marquise Brown's fault. Like it's, he's getting open. He's creating the separation. They're not connecting. Um, But yeah, so I don't want anything bad to happen to Will Fuller. So either Hold out for Deshaun or sign somewhere that a quarterback could take advantage of your skill set. How about
1: Philadelphia? Um, they are they are in need of wide receivers. They have been trying to find deep threats the last few years. I mean, they brought Deshaun Jackson back. That obviously didn't work out because d just couldn't stay healthy. Um, you know, I know Jalen Rager is there and they're still hoping. Look, it's, it's been one year, right? So we can't close the book on Jalen Rager just yet. Uh, but obviously, the rookie year was not what... Eagles fans or the Eagles front office would have wanted to see um but you know, you have him there as a field stretcher Jalen Hurts we know can he can get the ball down field he can be very dynamic with that offense I, I mean it's not Deshaun Watson obviously but you know it's a chance for him to go out and potentially grab a role as a number one wide receiver um I don't know, because I, I feel like we we talk about sending guys to different places. We haven't talked about sending anybody to Philly and Philly could use wide receiver help maybe as much or more than anybody in the league. So um, maybe the Patriots. The Patriots need wide receivers too, <laughs> uh, but their their quarterback situation is is still up in the air as well. Um, I wouldn't mind if if he can't pair up with Deshaun Watson again. If that's just not going to happen. Uh, why not send him to Philly and see what he can do with Jalen Hurts and, and maybe make that more of a vertical offense than what we've seen the last couple of years. I don't know.
3: And it would help too, because he would open some stuff near the line of scrimmage for Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts to roll out a little bit more. That's yeah. a good fit. Actually. I yeah. didn't think of Philly.
1: Yeah. Philly would be interesting. I think um, the next one is Curtis Samuel, who I think we're still waiting to see. I don't think Curtis Samuel's hit his ceiling yet. Right. Um <clears throat> Part of it was that the last couple of years, at least two years ago, I don't think the coaching staff in Carolina at the time knew exactly how to use Curtis Samuel. I think this past year, we saw it a little bit more. We saw in Matt Rule's offense, uh, Samuel kind of find himself and be a little bit more of a playmaker. I don't know though that uh, long-term Ah, uh, Carolina is the answer there, right? DJ Moore still there. Robbie Anderson is there. I mean, when Christian McCaffrey is back and healthy, he's going to absorb so many touches in that offense. Um, you know, I, I don't know that Curtis Sam was ever going to be a huge fantasy producer. He's 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 always going to be kind of a flex guy, I think, in a lot of leagues. But but do you have somewhere he can go that maximizes what his potential could be?
3: Yeah, he's going to need to go to a team. Um. That, that is willing to utilize the skill set, like you said, because Carolina really hadn't been before last season. I think Green Bay could be a good fit if obviously they don't get like Allen Robinson because he could be that second wide receiver they've been searching for, and he doesn't require like a huge target share, so that would also help Devontae Adams. Plus, if they lose Jones, he can give them something in the backfield as well. But I, I also think Washington could be a good fit for him just because they've been searching for someone opposite of McLaurin to step up. Uh. Cam Sims, Steven Sims, Dontrell In it's none of those guys. Like, they need to upgrade their wide receiver, too. And what I was thinking was, like, you let J.D. McKissick walk then and you can use Curtis Samuel uh, as that receiving threat out of the backfield and pair him with Antonio Gibson. It, it really would open up a lot for that offense as long as they get the quarterback who can, uh, you know, get these guys the ball. So I, I thought Washington or Green Bay would be a good fit for him. But hes I've seen a lot of teams thrown out as
1: potential fits for Curtis Samuel he because he does so many things, I think you know a lot of teams would love to have him. I mean, you know he's listed as a wide receiver, but even in college, he sort of did both wide receiver and running back. They used him a little bit on run plays uh, this past year in Carolina. Um, you know i was I was talking with you know my pal and yours, Matt Harmon, who uh, you know when when I really have a head scratching wide receiver question, he's the guy that I tend to go to and and get his advice. And he brought up what I thought was interesting uh, was Arizona. And to pair him up with DeAndre Hopkins down there, you talk about having a quarterback that can get him the football. We know Kyler Murray can do that. Um, and look, the Cardinals, they need help beyond D-hop at wide receiver. Uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald um, has had a great career, but but that's pretty much over Um And let's not forget, a couple years ago, the Cardinals went out and drafted three wide receivers in the same draft, and none of them have given them (laughs) really anything, right? I know, I I assume there's still an Andy Isabella hive out there somewhere. Um, You know, the the one time a year he'll catch a ball and go 70 yards with it. You know, like they start buzzing around again, but um, it's just not enough. Keyshawn Johnson really has not materialized in anything. Hakeem Butler uh, has been a no-show. so. They could use some help and to, to put Curtis Samuel as kind of a jack of all trades. And especially, look, especially if their running back situation changes, if King and Drake leaves, which seems likely, um, maybe that helps. Uh, by the way, speaking of the running backs, I don't know if you saw the story of Cliff Kingsbury saying he thinks Chase Edmonds can be a workhorse back. Are you buying that at all? I I fully expect
3: them to bring in another back. Uh, I do like Chase Edmonds like a a lot. Like I I like him. I got excited for him when Drake was banged up last year. I got excited for him when David Johnson was banged up two years ago. But the reoccurring theme is that they don't seem to trust him because even when he plays well in those spot starts, he got He's gotten banged up once, and then the other time Drake came back and Drake took over again uh, as that lead back and that goal line back, and Edmonds was more used as like a third-down specialist. I fully expect them to bring in – could he be a lead back? Yes, but a workhorse? I don't think so.
1: I'm not buying it either, although I did say uh, recently on another podcast that somebody was asking me uh, uh, a buy, kind of a buy low in Dynasty, and uh, I did say Chase Edmonds, um, you know, with, with Kenyon Drake likely leaving Arizona – Um, opening up more opportunities for Chase Edmonds. And then, you know, a couple days later, I see Cliff Cliff Kingsbury saying he could be a workhorse. I'm not buying it, but it does make me feel better about, you know, what I said about (laughs) Chase Edmonds uh, just a few days before that. Um, Last wide receiver here in our our landing spots, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. And, you know, we sort of talked last year about how they had made him a de facto tight end with the way things were going there in Pittsburgh. We know Ben Roethlisberger is back for another year, which I guess for nostalgia's sake, yay for fantasy. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> um, I as look, you know how I feel about my USC guys. You know how I feel about Juju. I want to see him prosper. I want to see him do well. I feel like that's just not going to happen with this offense as constructed in, in Pittsburgh, as long as Ben is the starter there. Um, and for me, I say he stays in the state, stay in Philly. stay in Pennsylvania, go to Philly. You know, I know I said, Will Fuller there uh, a little bit earlier, but I think Juju's that guy who's he's not the speed burner, but he's the guy who will do that dirty work. He'll run in the slot. He'll go inside. He can go outside, do a little bit of everything you ask him to uh, has good, consistent hands. It could be the kind of guy uh, that a guy like Jalen Hurts needs somebody that, that you can have as a consistent pass catching option in that offense. Um, I don't I don't think Philadelphia would be a bad landing spot for Juju. Cause I just, I just, I want him out of Pittsburgh. I just don't think it's going to work there (laughs) anymore. Uh, So I I think Philly's a good spot for him.
3: I very much so want him out of Pittsburgh as well. And I think, I think he's getting too much hate and like, remember when he first came in the league, everyone loved him. And now like you're hearing people say, oh, well, he can't play without an elite wide receiver opposite of him. And I'm like, that's really unfair because yeah, he was awesome when he had Antonio Brown, but let's look at what happened since AB left. Big Ben got hurt in week two and we had Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges throwing him the ball. And also Juju was banged up that entire season himself. And then last year, Juju stayed healthy. Juju put up big target share. He put up pretty good numbers. Not what we expected for Juju, but I don't put that on him at all. I put that on Big Ben's elbow and his inability to throw the ball 10 air yards down the field. Uh, and the fact that, like you said, we they used him as a tight end. So I want to get him somewhere where, he can go and be a big part of the offense to kind of just more so to prove people wrong more than anything else. Uh, And for me, I had the jets as a good landing spot for him. And I know that sounds gross to say the jets, but (laughs) Juju Smith Schuster runs a lot of routes out of the slot. And I know it's a different coordinator now with the jets and it could be a different quarterback, but Marcus, we talked about it a lot last year. No team was throwing more to their slot receivers than the New York jets. And it didn't matter if it was Jamison Crowder or Braxton Berrios or whoever they put there, they were getting the ball, so let Juju go there, uh, let him be the number one target, whether it is with his USC boy and Sam Darnold or whoever they draft at number two, let him be that safety blanket over the middle for a young quarterback and really just funnel the offense through him.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing a uh, a reunion with Sam Darnold there, right? They played together uh, for a season in 2016, uh, you know, get them back together. I, I had been the person who midway through this past season suggested the Bears uh, you know, re-sign Allen Robinson, uh, somehow bring in Juju and then make a deal to get Sam Darnold out of the jets and just, you know, have the three of them kind of be there as, as the offense. So a, a Darnold and Juju reunion, I'd be okay with, um, you know, and, and now that there's a new coach, uh, in New York, um, I mean, I think for me, the biggest thing is I just wanted Sam Darnold to get away from Adam Gase and, uh, that, that part has been taken care of. So, so that's good news. Um, yeah I I would be okay with that there uh I would also throw out Arizona as maybe one more opportunity because I just yeah they they need somebody else besides uh Nuke and if if everybody's complaining that Juju can't play without an elite wide receiver all right then let's put him with Nuke let's put him with an elite (laughs) wide receiver problem solved uh at that point
3: Sam Darnold is going to be the ultimate test to the
1: Adam Gase rule
3: like if he goes Mm -hmm. somewhere else and puts up numbers this year, it's just going to be
1: like, all right, like it's a rule. It's just a thing. then. <laughs> right. At that point, it's just it's just a thing. We just can't deny it anymore. Um, all right. So as we kind of sort of get near the end here, uh, I know I know running backs don't matter, but there's a lot of interesting ones out there on the free agent market. And so um, as I looked at them, uh, I picked I picked four of them who are still still youngish fairly young that are are expected to hit the free agent market and just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on uh you know sight unseen um you know would you be willing to take a chance on these guys next year uh you know i know for all for a lot of these guys it's always where they end up but just sort of sight unseen not knowing anything do they have anything left in the tank or you willing to take a chance or are you just completely you know out on these guys and the first one is chris carson Uh, who will be 26 uh, at the start of the season next year. I know he's not a sexy name in fantasy because he doesn't necessarily catch a ton of passes, which is what we want out of running backs. But the dude runs hard. He breaks tackles. He makes plays. Whatever the Seahawks have asked of him, he's pretty much done it and done it successfully. Um, Who knows whether or not he's back in Seattle. but, But is Chris Carson, I mean, are we done with him? Is there still something left you see that he can be productive with?
3: I'm not done with Obviously, landing spot matters, but I'm not done with Chris Carson. Uh, he's only 26 years old, like you said, and I know last year he was injured. But and when he did play, he put up a career high in fantasy points per game. And for years, the, the issue was they weren't really throwing him the ball, like you said, Marcus. But last year, they they started to do it a little bit more until he got hurt. And that led to him having a I believe it was a career low in rushing yards per game, but a career high in fantasy points per game. (laughs) So to me, that's what I care about. So I think Chris Carson, he's a goal line runner. He's a tough physical between the tackles runner. And if he could build off of the increased pass game usage from last year. I mean, I always joked and said he's an RB one when he's on the field and you get him for an RB two price in drafts. (laughs) I think he could continue to be that if he is healthy and used a little bit more in the passing game, wherever he ends up.
1: That, that's the big thing too is that you talked about that right that, that the rushing yards were down but the fantasy points were up especially at the beginning of the year when the seahawks were letting russ cook um they were throwing the football to chris carson a little bit more and then back half of the year when you know they, they took the spatula out of russ's hand um you know, he kind of went back to being the same chris carson but i just think you know i think a guy who runs as hard as he does who breaks as many tackles who who picks up those extra yards after contact um there's always going to be a place for him in fantasy. And you're right. He's always going to come at a discount because people don't look at him and say he's a pass catcher. Uh, so people are going to let him drop a little bit. And I just think the production can still be there for him. Uh, and I'd still be okay. Um, next one is Kenyon Drake. He will be 27 uh, at the start of next season. So maybe a little bit older, uh, maybe at about the point when people start to worry about running backs uh, and their their longevity at this point. Last year was not what we had wanted it to be, although, you know, as Adam Rank pointed out, maybe it was better than than we thought it was. Um, As I said earlier, I don't expect him to be back in Arizona. He really does feel maybe like more, maybe more than any of the other guys that I have in this list. He feels more location dependent uh, than anybody else. Are we still do we still have any positive feeling for Kenyon Drake in 2021?
3: I, I think so, man. And maybe I just can't quit Kenyon Drake, but <laughs> I, I look at it as like, yeah, he's 27 years old, but his highest season in touches in college was 92, I believe. And then in the NFL, for years, he was buried on, on Miami. Like, he is such a small career workload that I think to me, the age and, and all of that doesn't really matter. Like, He showed us that he could catch passes out of the backfield. He's shown us that he can punch it in near the goal line. He has shown us that he can run between the tackles. I don't think he can be a, you know, a workhorse, touch the ball 18, 20 times a game. But I think he could be a really good uh, first back and like a one-two punch, someone that could catch some passes, score some touchdowns. And he's going pretty late in fantasy drafts right now. Like in the draft I did yesterday, he went in the ninth round and Chase Edmonds went in the sixth. So if I can get Kenyon Drake, as like an RB three or an RB four. Yeah. I'm definitely going to go back for more.
1: Yeah. I am in mean, at that price all day, um, and, you know, a ninth round pick. Absolutely. And I do think wherever he goes, he's, he's not going to be the workhorse. Um, he is going to be part of a committee, but if he's the lead back in that committee, I think I feel okay. Um, you know, like I was, I was leading the hype train last year on Kenyon Drake and I'm not completely out yet Um I am curious to see what happens with him what the situation is he lands in but i think his skill set uh is is still useful and as you mentioned uh, a lot of tread left on the tires just because his situations have not allowed him the situation an opportunity to be kind of a frontline guy so far in his career um <clears throat> marlon mack is an interesting case because he's a guy who i mean is primarily a pass catching back uh obviously jonathan taylor showed us last year that he can catch the ball um, you know, we know how you feel about Jonathan Taylor. We don't have to necessarily get too deep into that at this point. But Marlon Mack, um, I, I don't know if he comes back to Indianapolis. Is he too much of a one-dimensional guy, though, to to get any love outside of, say, the late rounds now? I I
3: don't see a lot of hype for Marlon Mack uh first like he was kind of inconsistent and I don't understand why the Colts didn't really throw him the ball more I understand they had Naheem Hines but in college Marlon Mack kind of played that Naheem Hines role and he was used in the passing game a good amount but in the NFL he was not and he's just been in between the tackle runner and inconsistent production wise and that was behind the Colts offensive line when they were at their strongest, like. They were one of, if not the best, one of the very best offensive lines in football. And that all was before he ruptured his Achilles, which to me is the worst injury you could suffer in sports. Like, it's taken out some really great athletes. And yes, Marlon Mack is young, but uh, he he was a fourth-round pick. He, he was just kind of a guy who... Even in fantasy in his heyday, he was more of like a low-end RB2. So for me, very much so landing spot dependent. But even so, I think nothing more
1: than like a later round pick. Yeah, um, he's a guy that I really have tried to kind of root for. Um, look, last year, we all kind of figured at some point JT was going to take over. But a couple of years before that, I was big on Marlon Mack. Um, <clears throat> he got hurt and it didn't quite happen. Um, yeah, I think I think he ends up in a platoon somewhere. And I think his his fantasy value is going to be sort of limited. The last one here, and this one, I don't know where to approach. How to approach James Conner? Right, he's going to be 26. At times, the guy has looked really awesome, and and it, it feels he feels like a guy that you can really count on week to week in fantasy. And other times, um, he just looks sort of lost and slow, and and you wonder why he's out there. Like I said, he's going to be 26 uh, at the start of the season. Um, even by the end of the year, it seemed like the Steelers weren't quite sure what to do with him. And so I went, I was going down the list. Greg Rosenthal this year put out the list of the top 101 free agents, uh, for, for the NFL and James Conner was way down the list. Um, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, he was somewhere in the nineties, which sort of tells you kind of how much he's fallen off. Um, are we, are we out on James Conner in fantasy or, or can he, can he get kickstarted somewhere else?
3: I, I think I'm out like. Even if he lands in a good situation, I, I find it hard to believe that an NFL team is going to come into the 2021 season after what we've seen the last couple of years out of James Conner, the lead back, and just think you can trust him for a full season. Not only is his play inconsistent, like you said, Marcus, but his availability is very inconsistent. Like he's missed a lot of time due to injury these last two years. And that first year uh, in 2018, when Lev Bell sat out, Uh, he that first half of that season was putting up better numbers than Le'Veon Bell was and I remember people were being like myself included being like yeah the Steelers don't need Le'Veon Bell they have James Conner who is a an elite running back in his own right then he got hurt and then the second half of that season wasn't great and it kind of feels like we're chasing that first half of that season ever since and I don't see an NFL team really having the confidence in James Conner to be their lead back I think he will be a better NFL piece than he will fantasy piece because I think he can still contribute uh even if it's on like a limited touch basis but I just don't see the days of him getting 18 plus touches anymore unless everyone else around him gets hurt
1: yeah I I think that's probably the case I mean look by by the end of the year we were talking about you know Benny Snell and stuff like that in the the Steelers offense so that probably says a lot about about what James Conner's future is um any other names out there that are, are going to hit free agency that, that have sort of piqued your interest that, that you want to see go somewhere? Anybody else that that has sort of uh, kind of got your attention right now?
3: There's a few guys that I don't have like a dream landing spot for, but they're obviously, I think, going to shake things up a little bit. Like at the wide receiver position, there's Corey Davis and Marvin Jones. Those are two guys that I think could still really contribute. And I think Corey Davis is going to get more money than a lot of people anticipate uh, tight end, there's Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith. I think both of those guys will be very fantasy relevant. And then running backs, I just want Duke Johnson to go to San Francisco, Marcus. I think that that is where he <laughs> can finally reach his impact. And I think Philip Lindsay is the other free agent running back that's kind of interesting that could go somewhere and maybe compete for a starting job. And to me, the last but not least, one of the biggest questions of free agency, will Mark Ingram Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell still be in the NFL after
1: free agency like I'm not sure I can I can see Mark Ingram getting a a job somewhere maybe Todd Gurley I don't know if we see Lev Bell get signed um you know I I I think I think especially with Lev saying you know admitting at the end of the year that like he's like yeah I sort of went to Kansas City because they weren't going to give me the ball a ton I knew I didn't have to you know like Eh, I can't imagine somebody's gonna to want to sign that guy. That's just <laughs> that's just me. Um you, you mentioned Hunter Henry, uh and the the Chargers said they're not gonna use the franchise tag on him, that he's gonna hit free agency. Uh, I immediately started seeing the Donald Parham Hive assembling, lots of rocket ships for Donald Parham. Let um, I, mean, I don't even know how to how to get into this because this I mean this all just sort of happened right before we started taping the show, right? Um you, I, I did catch Twitter last night. You were talking to our pal uh, Derek Brown, D. Bro, about tight ends, um, and and he he fell into the trap, right? I know we say this every year, but it feels like tight end could be deep. And of course, me being Buzz Killington, I had to jump in and say, "Don't do this, please, don't do this." Um, is Donald Parham really going to be a thing, or is this us just trying to shoehorn another tight end in because we just want more of them?
3: I think he has definitely has the upside to become a thing, but I would not feel confident drafting him as like my tight end one and going into a season with just him. I like him a lot more. as like my second tight end, just a guy taking an upside flyer on. And and to Debro, I responded, I said, agreed. I feel like from tight end six through 20, you could just jumble them up. But to me, that's a bad thing because <laughs> like you could draft a tight end seven and end up getting like the tight end 19, like, so my approach, I'll say it continues to be big three tight end or wait till the double digit rounds. And Parham is a name that like if I wait on tight end, maybe say I get an Irv Smith or a Cole Komet as my tight end one. I'm going to double down then and I'll take someone like him because he also comes with upside and it gives me a second shot at hitting uh, on that upside at tight end. But I'm really hoping, Marcus, that uh, that Kyle Pitts falls to the Chargers and they get him at 13 overall because I think this offense could be really special, and that would be one of the pieces they're missing now with no Hunter Henry.
1: It, it's, well, it's also not out of the question that they re-sign Hunter Henry, but they just didn't use the tag on him. Um, they did, use the, they did uh, agree to the fifth-year option on Mike Williams, so you know he'll be back in that offense. Uh, so we'll wait to see. I mean, look, the, the next few days to weeks or so are going to be really, really interesting with a whole lot of guys moving around um so we'll definitely keep an eye on that just you know stay with us because next week you can imagine we're going to have a lot of written pieces a lot of video content a lot of social media content uh, about the signings a lot about the free agency movement that that hits and then we'll have our pod as we mentioned uh next thursday um so we'll try to wait till a lot of the stuff is done and it's settled down and then we'll try to update you uh, as best on what that means um by the way we're also going to be back on tv uh monday march 22nd nfl fantasy live free agency frenzy um check your local listings i'm not exactly sure what time it airs just set your dvr uh, and it will magically appear sometime on monday so be prepared for that and uh, then one last time the big data bowl streaming on March 18th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on YouTube and Twitch. Watch a whole bunch of nerds uh, come out and try to figure out some new problems. Uh, and then we can uh, take them for our own selfish, greedy fantasy purposes uh, and use them in 2021. We'll also have Cynthia Freeland on in a couple of weeks. Uh, and she'll she'll kind of break down what went down in the big data bowl. And uh, we'll talk about what this means for for fantasy. So uh, yeah, Florio, it should be fun, right? The next week, we, should, we will be on our toes, I would imagine, for the next uh, week to 10 days about what's going to happen.
3: <laughs> Yeah, then like this is the calm before the storm, like hearing like, oh, who won't get tagged or Tyro Williams signing officially, stuff like that. And then it's just going to like, rosters are going to look so different in this time two weeks from now
1: absolutely absolutely so looking forward to all of that all right in the meantime that is it we are done we appreciate you hanging out with the nfl fantasy football show you know the drill tell two friends to tell two friends rate review and remember not everyone suffers from insanity some people enjoy every minute of it be safe take care of yourselves wear a mask and we'll see you next thursday
2: Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com ConcertWeek to learn more. And plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sun 41, 30 Seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door cinema club.
0: Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh?
2: Yep.
1: You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah,
0: ski slopes. Let's
2: do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait!
0: Did we just invent California?
2: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
0: Zira Foxtrot isn't just a brand.